Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Who's ready to get into the Word tonight? Who's ready to get into it? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. We're going to pick up with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Ephesians 6, verse 13. We're going to go deeper into what spoke on Sunday. Who enjoyed that message from Pastor Bobby this past Sunday? Wasn't that awesome? He spoke on praying in the Spirit. And if you have been with us over this last um, uh, couple of months, we have been going through the armor of God and and really, technically, this is kind of like our last stop along the way. This coming Sunday, we're going to um, start a new series, and we're excited about it. Um, but if you have been with us this last couple months, then this passage of Scripture should be really familiar to you because we've probably gone over it um, five or six times. But I have something really cool that God wants to show us together. So. Verse 13, it reads this. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist. Everybody say resist. So you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. And that's what I love about the promises of God. He didn't say that, you know, there wouldn't be battles, right? But he said that we would be standing firm after the battle. That doesn't matter what is coming against us, that if we align ourselves with what is on side of us, with the God is on side of us, that no weapon can bring us down in the heat of battle. But we will stand firm. Everybody say, stand firm. We'll be standing firm. Verse 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent. Everybody say persistent. In your prayers. Everybody say prayers. Said, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Title for tonight is this a persistent prayer life. A persistent prayer life. Let's pray over tonight together. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this house, God. We thank you, God, for communicating what you want to communicate, God. We're just here together, Father, not to hear from anything that a man or a person has to say before you have to say God so speak communicate God we thank you for open minds and soft hearts we thank you Father. that we're ready God to this jump in with both feet that we have expectations with faith God ready to see God breakthroughs and miracles and signs and wonders God we've already seen so many things take place tonight God but we're ready for more Father let your perfect will take place God we give you all the glory and the praise we're all here for your name we love you Jesus and everybody says Amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise, and y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. I remember when I was, um, when I was growing up, um, you know, when I was a teenager, um, I had a, had a goal in life. Does anybody have goals in life? You know, hope you do. I had a big goal in life because, you know, I always saw it on, like, kind of like TV and, and things when, you know, Whenever you grow up and you get your own house, you know, one of the key things for the, for the man of the house or for the guy or whatever, it is something that was a goal was to begin to create a large collection of power tools, right? And so I remember like, man, when I 
grow up and have my own house, you know, I'm going to fill up. You know, I want to have every tool for every need, right? I want to make sure that if anything happens, I am ready, I am equipped, and I have the tools for it. And so a couple of years ago when we, Haley and I, we got into our house, you know, I started stockpiling my, my collection of tools. And, and you know, and um, Haley would always get, uh, she just turned around. I'm not going to say anything bad. Haley would always get, you know, upset because I would be at Home Depot or something saying I'm going to get some tape and I'll come back with a power tool or something. And I began to stockpile, and I would have all these tools, and I remember, you know, being proud of what I began to have. And, and you know, I don't, you know, don't get me wrong, don't think I have, like, every nice tool that there is to have. But I have the basics, right? I have the basics, and, if, you know, if something goes on, I, I pretty much have the tool to fix it. And I, I remember one day we were having a, a work day here at the church, and I was so excited to bring my tools. Because the second thing, you know, you know, it's not just about having tools, it's about showing off the tools, right? I mean, it goes hand in hand. And so I remember us having a work day here at church, and so I was packing all my tools, right, putting everything in the bag. I was, dra I was grabbing my drills and my compact drills and all of my saws and, and measuring tapes, all, everything. I was just packing it all up. And, man, I, like, you know, if there's anything that could possibly go wrong, I'm going to have a tool for it to fix it, you know, at the work day that we had. And so I packed up all my tools, and I, and I, and I went to the church, and I remember getting out of the truck and grabbing my bag and, and I began taking out all my tools, and I began to realize that I forgot the most important thing. I forgot the batteries. <laughs> and if you know about power tools, that you need power for the power tools. But even though I showed up with the tools and ready to work, because I lacked power, I was of no use. I had every tool that you needed. I had every tool imaginable. I was equipped, and I was ready. But I lacked the power to have effectiveness. I think when Paul was describing the armor of God, he was describing tools. He was describing things that we have at access to as children of God. And he began to describe all the things that we went over. But the last thing he said, and I think he did this intentionally, he, he talked about all the tools. He talked about the armor. He talked about the sword. He talked about the shield. He talked about all these tools. But the last thing he said is that you need to make sure you pray in the spirit. And be persistent in your prayers. Because I believe he was trying to tell us that if we show up to a battle, if we show up to a spiritual battle and we have all these tools but we don't have prayer, we're going to show up to the battle with maybe the right equipment on but we don't have the power to get anything done. Because if we don't have prayers, then our tools, our armor, our weapons in the spirit world is useless. If we show up to a battle and if we say, well, I know all this scripture and I have all this perfect theology, but if we do not pray, then the enemy is not going to be intimidated by us. So really, the enemy has no fear or treats you as no kind of threat if you show up to a battle without having prayer in your life. Because he's not afraid of you. Because here's the thing, the enemy knows where our power comes from. The enemy knows that if we get a prayer life, then guess what? We're going to have a life filled with, with power, filled with all the understanding we have. But if we just show up thinking that if we memorize a couple scriptures and don't spend time in God's presence, then we're going to have the power. It's going to be like me showing, showing up for work day, right? With all the tools but no batteries. Prayer is so important for us to go into battle. The enemy is not afraid of a prayerless Christian. It doesn't matter how many 
scriptures we memorize. It doesn't matter how much PhDs we have. If we do not have prayer in our life, if we don't have a prayer life, then we are powerless, useless on the battlefield. That we might look the part, but we don't have the power to play the part. That we might have all the tools and have all the weaponry, but if we don't have prayer, then we are no threat to the enemy. But the enemy is terrified. He is terrified of Christians and believers who know how to pray. You want to know a way to terrify the enemy? Go into the prayer closet. Don't go to a podcast. Those things are good. Don't go, and go, don't go to Google. Google's great. But if you want to intimidate and bring the enemy in terror, go to the prayer closet. Because it's in that place, because the enemy knows it's in that place when we spend time with Jesus, when we spend time with God and begin to pray, it's in that place we get power and understanding. And it's in that place that we get the, we get the batteries that we need to go into battle to where when we have the sword of the spirit, we don't swing it uselessly, but we swing it with authority. That's what prayer does in our life. Because when we begin to pray, things begin to change. There's been so many times in my life to where things have seemed chaotic and out of whack and not in the right order. But all of a sudden, I began to pray. I began to press in. And all those, nothing was really changing on the outside. Everything was changing on the inside. And now I begin to see things in a different light. I begin to understand things in a different way. And that's what prayer does. It begins to change things and alter the atmosphere. It begins to alter your home. It's so important for Haley and I to make sure that we pray together in our home. We have a little, she's almost seven months. She doesn't really understand what we do when we pray. But we try to get together as often as we can before we go to sleep with our seven-month-old daughter, put her on our lap, and we pray. Because we want her to be used to that kind of atmosphere. We want her to grow up in that type of, of lifestyle of knowing that prayer isn't something that we do. It's who we are. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's breath in our lungs. It's, it's like the blood in our veins. It's, you can't separate the two or else we're not going to have the power to do what we do. It's so important for us to have prayer. Because, see, the enemy can't stop a praying believer and the enemy can't stop a praying church. Just what we saw just a while ago, people being set free, deliverances and healings and miracles and baptisms, these things don't happen without a praying church. I can tell you right now, if the church does not pray, these things do not take place. But when we begin to pray as a church, we've seen miracles take place. We've seen marriages be restored. We've seen addictions begin to come off the lives of individuals. Why? Through a praying church. That's why it's so important to pray. Turn to your neighbor and say, prayer works. Prayer works. This is what Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 6. He says, don't Worry. Everybody say, don't worry. Say, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. Everybody say, pray. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. I think there's times in our lives where we look at prayer, and instead of that being the first thing we do, it's the last resort we have. Have you ever been there? I know I have many times. 
where I try just because I think I have some understanding of life that, hey, maybe I can figure this out on my own. If there's a problem, maybe I know how to fix it. But if there's anything going in our life, Paul literally said, he didn't say some things. He didn't say pray whenever you feel like it. He didn't say pray when you're on your last resort. He said pray about everything and anything. Pray about it. If there's something going on in your life, guess what? That's something you can pray about. If there's, if there's something that God is taking you to do and staring you to do, guess what? There's something to pray about. Pray about anything and everything. He said, don't worry about it. Pray about it. And I really think that's the greatest thing that we can do. If there's something I've learned is that the more I pray, the less I worry. The more I spend in the prayer closet, the less I worry about the future and how everything's going to work out. The, the less I'm worried about, God, how this, how that, what five years looks from now. No, the more I pray, the less I worry. And I've kind of used this as a cue now because whenever I feel anxious and worry, I'm like, oh, Lord, I haven't been praying. And now I use that as a cue to, hey, I need to pray. I don't need to figure all these things out. I need to pray. I don't need to go and, and find answers in my own way. No, I need to pray. No, I don't need to go and figure out and take a medication or take this or take, no, I need to pray. Because when I feel worried and anxious and stressed out, Paul said the answer isn't for us to figure it out on our own. He said the answer is to pray. Because the more we pray, the less we're going to worry about what's going on. The more we press into it. And I realized that time and time again is that whenever I feel overwhelmed, whenever I feel like things are, are out of whack, I, I know where I can go. I, I know the solution. And it doesn't come from my mind. It doesn't come from humanity. It comes from a place that only God and me know about, right? It comes from a place that I know that even when things are going wrong, there's a place I can make it right. And even though I know when things are going crazy, I know there's consistency in my prayer time. That when the world is losing their mind, and I don't know if you looked around, the world's losing their mind right now. I don't have to lose my mind with them, Amen. I don't have to give in to the culture. I don't have to give in to whatever is going on in the world. I don't have to give in to the fear. I don't have to give in to the new doomsday thing that's going on. No, I can go into my prayer time. I can go into my time with Jesus, and I know I can find consistency. And that's really what makes us different, right? That when the world goes crazy, we don't. I think that's one of the things I thank God for every day. It's like, God, thank you that, because, man, if I didn't have you, I'd be just as crazy as them over there. Right? at each other's throats about little things. But thank God we have Jesus, amen, on the inside of us. And we have a prayer time. We can spend with him. And the more I spend time with Jesus, the less time I spend worried about what's going on. But when I don't pray, and I know if you spend time with Jesus long enough, you know this too. When you don't pray, things are out of whack. When you don't pray, things that didn't used to bother you now bother you, right? When you don't pray, things that used to not get under your skin and, you know, you wouldn't get emotional about. Now, all of a sudden, you are so, like, anything will set you off, right, when you don't pray. I've said this to Haley many times, sometimes in the, in the mornings before I pray, you know, and I'll just be, like, waking up, still trying to wake up, and then, you know, I'll say something, no, I shouldn't. I'm like, babe, sorry, I need to pray. That wasn't me. I'm sorry, you know, because I know that my life without prayer looks totally different. My life without prayer and spending time with God looks totally different. You don't want to know me. You don't want to know, you don't want to know me without prayer, right? It should be a stark different of what your life looks like. You should know what your life feels like when you're praying right. 
You should know that feeling, what it looks like when you have the, the power, when you have the authority, when all of a sudden things, now although things might be coming against you, you still have your peace and your security and your joy, right? You have to know what that looks like. We have to realize that prayer really is the source where God puts his power on the inside of us. This is point one for tonight, is that a prayerless life is a powerless life. A prayerless life is a powerless life. That if you live this life and you think that you can live this life as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus without prayer, then let me say, you are kidding yourself. Peace is really hard when you don't pray. I realize that. I realize when I don't pray, it's hard to have peace. Joy is really hard to attain when you don't pray. Oh, having confidence in who you are, good luck having that without praying. Prayer is what allows us to attain the fruits of the Spirit, right? Prayer is what aligns us up with what God has for us. If we don't pray, a prayerless life is a powerless life. Point number one. See, faith is very difficult when we don't pray. Peace is hard to come by when we don't pray. Patience, good luck trying to have patience you don't pray. I think if there's one, like, if there's like the number one thing I see as a fruit of my prayer life, the first thing I see is patience. Because whenever I'm in traffic, you know what I'm saying. And all of a sudden it feels like my, I have no patience, but God, I need to pray, Right? And as soon as I start praying for them, it's hard to be impatient with somebody that you pray for. Practice this in your life. If, so, if you are feel, feel very impatient with somebody, start to pray for them. And all of a sudden, you're going to be very patient for them. So sometimes I have to pray for some drivers, right? Say, God, bless them. Bless them over there. Bless them in a way where they're out of my way. But bless them. Prayer is our key to have to attain those things. If we try to live life without prayer, it'd be like us showing up to a NASCAR race with a bicycle, right, and saying, hey, I'm going to win. Right? You, you stand no chance. You don't have the power. You don't have the ability. It's the same way if we treat, if we treat our prayer life. right because that's not the life with Jesus that's not life with Jesus that I know it's not a constant in a place of feeling like you're constantly being beat down that's not a life with Jesus we're not supposed to live in that place sometimes when I, I check on somebody and say hey how's it going man sometimes I'll get the answer of like man the enemy is just beating me up right the enemy is just you know body slamming me right now the enemy is just attacking me and and all they start talking about is how bad they have it and how strong the enemy is. And I always follow up with this, well, how, how's your prayer life been? And 10 times out of 10, they say, oh, well, you know, I haven't really been praying. You know, I need to pray. I was like, well, there's your answer. You're going into battle without any power. 
You're trying to combat against the enemy, but you are literally standing by while he is bullying you and beating you up, and you're not even trying to fight him off. Because that's what your prayer life does. Every time you go in prayer, look at it like you're going into battle. Every time you go into prayer, look at it as you are literally going on the front lines and you're trying to protect your family, your business, your loved ones, and you're saying, I'm not going to let the enemy bully me. I'm not going to let the enemy intimidate me. I'm not going to let the enemy hold me down. No, we're going to battle right now. Look at it like that as your prayer life. Because if you treat your prayer life like that, I'm telling you, you're not going to forget. You're not going to think, oh, well, you know, I don't have to pray today, you know. No, you're going to be intentional about it. Because that's what we're called to do. We're not, we're not called to live a weak and powerless life. We're, we're called to stand up and fight against the enemy. You see, when we do that, let me, when we come against the enemy and we get in our prayer closet and we begin to push him back, we don't have to just let him beat us up in every area of our life. Like we don't have to stand by and watch the enemy tear our business down and say, well, you know, I have no control over that. No, we can stand up, fight back, and begin to pray provision, favor, peace over our business. I'm telling you right now, things will begin to change. Like we don't have to stand back and watch our marriage begin to deteriorate and begin to say, well, I have, I, there's nothing I can do. It's, it's them, it's not me. And, you know, I just and watch it crumble. No, you can go into battle for your marriage and begin to pray over it, begin to pray for healing and restoration. And I'm telling you, you're going to see things turn around. Like we don't just have to watch our son or daughter go down the wrong path and be like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. They are making the decisions. No, you can go into battle about it and say, God, I protect over their lives right now. I come against every weapon, every lie, every temptation. We tear it down. I'm telling you, if you go into battle in your prayer time, things will begin to change. And you won't be having that experience of saying, well, I'm just getting beat up by the enemy every day. No, you'll begin to have that experience of saying, the enemy thinks he can beat me up. But, man, I've been taking it to him. The enemy tried to overcome me with fear, but I spoke faith back. The enemy tried to come against my marriage, but I put my foot in the ground. I said, no, enemy, you can't have this. And when it's a prayer about it, you will begin to see what takes place when we have a prayer life. There is power in our prayers. But notice when Paul was talking about the arm of God in Ephesians 6, he didn't say to have a perfect prayer life, right? He didn't say, hey, for you to be able to maintain this, you have to have a perfect prayer life. No, he said a persistent prayer life. And to me, that gives me all the hope I need. That gives me all the window I need because if it said perfect prayer life, I would look like, myself, well, I'm out because I'm not perfect. But he didn't say a perfect prayer life. He said a persistent prayer life because there's going to be times where you're, gonna, where you're not going to be at a place in your prayer life that you want it to be. There's going to be times maybe you're saying, well, well, Pastor CJ, I haven't really prayed like I know I need to in years, so I don't know if I'm able to make it back. No, he didn't say a perfect prayer life. He said a persistent prayer life. So all that means is that all I have to do is get back in my prayer closet. All I have to do is get back on my knees and begin to pray and guess what I have the prayer life I need now I'm back on track where I need to be now don't let the enemy convince you that just because you're inconsistent in your prayer life or because you're not where you know you should be that you'll never be there because the enemy will try to keep you in the place of saying well you didn't pray yesterday so you might well not pray today and you haven't prayed the last two days so why should you pray today? And you know what? You haven't prayed the last three days, so why? And then, and then all of a sudden, it's a snowball effect. And now all of a sudden, it's been years since you've had a consistent prayer life, and you're saying, there's no way I can get back. But that's a lie from the enemy. Because Paul didn't say you must have a perfect prayer life. 
He said, you just have to have a persistent prayer life. I'm saying that we're going to make mistakes and we're going to fall along the way. But as long as we deny the lies of the enemy, stand back up and go back to, oh, no, where we should be, we're right back on track where God needs us. Amen? So when we begin to pray what we lacked, what we don't have, God begins to make up the difference. I've seen this happen so many times when there's a situation taking place and say, God, I really have about 1% of what I need to get this done. But God, I'm going to trust you with that 1%. I'm going to pray. And God made up the difference. There's been many times, when, especially when Haley and I first got married and you know, our budget was tight, and we were eating. We still eat tacos every day. But we were eating, you know, I just like tacos, I guess. And we were saying, well, you know, if we go out to eat, there goes Netflix, right? It was like that tight, you know. And then we didn't know how things would happen. But all of a sudden, God would make a way or there seems to be no way. And I know it doesn't come because we had this, this some type of different favor. No, it's we prayed about it. We say, God, we trust you with our finances. We trust you that you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. We trust you, God. We're not going to be afraid. And we began to pray. And where we lacked, God made up the difference. Romans 8.26 says this. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps. Everybody say helps. Helps us in our weakness. Notice he didn't say the Holy Spirit calls out our weakness, right? Notice he didn't say the Holy Spirit hurts us where we are weak. No, he said the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Come on, who's thankful we serve a God that doesn't dismiss us because we're weak, but helps us in our weaknesses? And he says, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. And at first time you read this, you're kind of, it's a humbling thing to read, but at the same time, it's a very mind-freeing scripture to read. Because if you have the same experience I do as humanity, we do not have it all figured out, right? We don't know all things, right? God does. But when you read that scripture that says that sometimes we don't know what God wants us to pray for, if the verse had ended there, who knows, it would have been very discouraging. Because then Paul was like, hey, guess what? Your prayers are cool, but it's limited because we don't really know what to pray for. We don't really know what God wants us to pray for because we don't know all things. We don't understand all things. Only God does. And so if that just ended there, that would be very discouraging because it, it would basically limited our prayer life, right? It would have capped out of what we were able to do in our prayer time. But who's thankful it doesn't end there? But wouldn't that be an unfortunate place to be? Like wouldn't that place of in your prayer life wouldn't that be an unfortunate place to be but what's sad is that many people in their prayer life live right here they live in a place where they're limited to their own understanding to their own thoughts but Paul himself says that we don't know all the things that God wants us to pray for but it says this but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit leads, pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Come on, if you understand what that means, can you give him a shout of praise? Because that's probably one of the coolest things that you will ever read when it regards to our prayer life. This is what basically Paul is saying. He's saying, look, we're humans and we're dumb. Basically what he's saying. 
We don't know what God knows. We don't know all the things that God knows. We don't even know what God wants us to pray for. But if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you have the Spirit of the God on the inside of you, guess what? You don't have to know what to pray for. But if you go and begin to pray in the Spirit, all of a sudden God himself will begin to pray through his Spirit out of your mouth and will begin to line up promises and purposes and things that we never even thought to pray for or know to pray for and will begin to pray God's perfect will. Isn't that super cool? Like, to me, that's, like, one of the coolest things I could, like, hold up, what? This takes our prayer life to a whole new level. Because now, all of a sudden, we're not just limited to our own thinking and understanding. We're not just limited to what we know. But now we can begin to pray God's perfect will and pray in the Holy Spirit. And that takes so much pressure off of us, doesn't it? Doesn't that take so much pressure off of saying, man, I don't have to have the exact words to say. I don't have to know exactly what to pray for. I don't have to know all these things. And because if we agree what we're talking about, if prayer is that important, then it is very important what we say, right? Like if prayer is that important and we are powerless without it, then it is very important what we say. And so that puts a lot of pressure on our words. But it's a freeing revelation to know that you don't have to have it all figured out. That you don't have to know exactly what to pray for and what to say. But to lean into the Holy Spirit and begin to pray in groanings and begin to let the Holy Spirit begin to pray through you. And then all of a sudden, you begin to speak God's perfect will. All of a sudden, you begin to pray for things you had no idea what you needed to pray for. Man, there have been so many times in my life where I didn't know what to say. I said, God, I don't even know what's going on. And if I was limited to that, I wouldn't know what to pray for. And I say, I, I don't really know how or I don't know what or I don't know who I should pray for. But I don't have to. You know what the need is, God. You know what needs to be taken care of, God. And I began to pray in the spirit. And although I didn't understand a word that was coming out of my mouth, God understood every word. And we began to speak, and all of a sudden the promises, the Holy Spirit began to speak God's perfect will. And although the words wasn't English, the words were understood by the Spirit of God. And things began to change. And all of a sudden I began to see things line up in my life. And we begin to pray, really when we pray in the Spirit, you know what we're doing? We are praying from God's point of view. We are praying from a point of view that our minds cannot understand, that our minds cannot get into. But when we pray in the spirit, we are praying from God's point of view. And scripture says we are praying God's perfect will. Like, isn't that amazing? You are praying God's perfect will. That means, guess what? You don't have to know exactly what to say, exactly what to say. Just lean into the Holy Spirit and he says exactly what needs to be said. Amen. There's been stories throughout the world of, of, of people who prayed in the spirit and they had something, some, like they just had like a, a, a person in their heart in, in some other country. They didn't really know why or who, but they began to pray and trust to pray in the spirit. And there was a testimony of somebody who they never met who were in need of a, of a miraculous saving. And all of a sudden, they begin, God began to move and they weren't even praying. And then all of a sudden, things began to conspire and they realized that he didn't even know him, but the spirit knew what was needed taking place. And so all of a sudden, he began to pray in the spirit and God's perfect will went out and all of a sudden, that need was taken care of. And that's how it works. 
Because we all pray with the same Holy Spirit. You might not even realize. I think one of the cool things we could, like, see in heaven is that when we pray in the Spirit, like, some of the prayers that were answered, that we even know what we were praying, we'll get to heaven and be like, what? So-and-so in China did that because I prayed? Right? It's all the same Holy Spirit. It's all the same Holy Spirit. It's such a powerful tool to have. And here's another cool thing. Is that when you pray in the spirit, it confuses the enemy. Like it confu- like just as confusing as it is for our minds to hear and try to understand, it's, con- it's just as for the enemy to hear. Because the enemy doesn't have the gift of interpretation interpretation of tongues he doesn't have that gift so when we speak in this and pray in the spirit enemies like what the heck is going on like i don't know what they're saying but i feel the effects i don't know what they're doing but all of a sudden things are moving and all of a sudden ground is being taken from us and all of a sudden i see miracle signs so i don't know what's going on it confuses the enemy when we pray in the spirit so when we pray in the spirit not only do we pray God's perfect will, but we confuse the enemy. Looking at it from that perspective, who would not want to pray in the Spirit? Looking at it from that, understand how important prayer is, and then understanding that praying in the Spirit takes the limits off our prayer life. Isn't that just such a gift from God that allows us to go into a place that without it we would not be able to go? So no wonder Paul said, pray in the Spirit. No wonder he said that at the end of Ephesians 6, verse 18. No wonder he said that because he knew how important and powerful it was. He said, look, guys, you can have all these tools. You can have all these weapons and armor. But if you do not pray, you won't have anything. If you do not pray, you will not have the power. If you do not pray, you will not have the authority. If you do not pray, you will not be able to take the ground that God wants us to take. Point two for tonight is this is that praying in the Spirit takes the limits off our prayer life. Praying in the Spirit takes the limits off our prayer life. That praying in the Spirit breaks us out of the restrictions that our humanity keeps us in. That praying in the Spirit takes us to places and spaces that without the the Spirit of God we wouldn't, wouldn't be able to go into. Why? It takes the limits off to where our prayers are no longer limited by our thinking or perspective. Because imagine this, imagine if your prayers were limited to what you could see and to your perspective. Wouldn't that be so small? Like, wouldn't that be such a short-sighted perspective? But imagine praying God's perfect will, who knows the beginning from the end, the alpha and the omega, knows your today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Imagine praying his perfect will over your life. Isn't that much better than praying, God, help me get Chick-fil-A today? Because that's so short-sighted, but instead of praying in the Spirit, and now you're praying God's perfect will, and now you're praying prayers that's going to take place 10 years from now. Now you're praying prayers that's going to take place in your grandchildren's life. Now you're praying prayers that things around the world, people around the world are benefiting from because we're praying in the Spirit. There's been times where, I know we've all experienced this, it's when anxiety and stress gets the best of us place to where worry gets the best of us and you don't really know what to say or what to do but who's thankful that we can let all that all that worry and weight off our shoulders and say I don't have to know what to say I'm gonna go and pray in the spirit right now there's been times I've been in the car 
but that car turned into a prayer closet because I began to pray in the spirit. I didn't know what to, what to say or really who to pray for, but I knew something needed to be done. And so instead of me having limited prayers of my thank, I began to pray in the spirit and things began to change. It's been times where there's so much anxiety and fear, but when you begin to pray, it seems like something begins to change on the inside. And now you begin to understand because when you pray in the spirit, it's almost as a, as a way of clearing your mind. There was a, a study done in 2006. We're almost done. There was a study done in 2006 by the University of Pennsylvania. And they studied the brains of people who were praying in the spirit. And they were studying the, the brain activity. And they looked at the part of the brain that the neurons and Look, guys, I'm not a brain whatever doctor, okay, so I don't know what all the correct verbiage is. But they look at the part of the brain that lights up like a Christmas tree when you communicate. The, the part of the brain, the frontal lobe, that when you begin to talk and, and use language and begin to speak, it, it, it's active. It's, it's the part of the brain that's responsible for that. And so they look at these people praying in the spirit, and they look at that part of the brain that is active when you speak, when you talk, when you communicate, and guess what? Blank. It was as if they weren't speaking anything at all. And they were confused. They were, they were like, what's going on? It, what, why? They're, they're speaking. Things are coming. At, there is noises coming out of their mouth. There should be activity in that frontal lobe. There should be something going on that's causing them to, their brain to communicate with the rest of their body and their tongue to make those noises. Because that's how it works. But that part of their brain that responsible for speech was nothing was going on. You want to know why? Because when we pray in the spirit, it does not come from our brain. When we pray in the spirit, it doesn't come from our knowledge or understanding. It comes from the spirit of God. And guess what? Your brain can take a break. And you can begin to pray in the spirit and things will begin to change. All of a sudden things will begin to move. And all of a sudden clarity will begin to take place. They begin to realize. And they said there's so much peace in their mind, but there's no activity going. Why? Because it's all the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from humanity. It doesn't come from our own understanding. It comes straight from the Spirit of God. But if you're thankful, that give them a hand clap of praise. Amen. You can stand to your feet. I'm closing. I'm closing. Jude chapter 1, verse 19. Verse 19 says this. He said, these are the people who divide you. He's talking about people who... So who, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, turn to your neighbor and say, but you. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit builds us up, gives us strength, allows us to get to a point to where our flesh isn't the one in control anymore. Get to a point where we don't just have to live life based on natural instinct, live life based on impulse, live life based on things that the world lives on. But by life with the Holy Spirit, 
He builds us up and makes us strong where we are weak. I want to close with this thought that praying in the Spirit builds our faith and takes the limits off our prayers. You might be in this place and you're saying, well, Pastor CJ, I, I understand now the powerful gift it is to live life with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I don't know how or I don't know. I, 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 I hunger for that. I have a need for that. Can I say this? It's, it's not just for some. It's for all. Scripture says that his spirit will be poured out on all flesh. That means everybody. That doesn't mean just pastors and prophets. No. That doesn't mean just teachers. No. Everybody who calls upon the name of Jesus. It's for them. There's a story of a Eastern European man who in the 1940s was living in a place to where resources were low, his life was in poverty, but he hears about a place called America where, people, where there's so much opportunity and there's so much ways for him to have a better life. And so he says to himself that I'm going to go to America and make a better life for my family. So he saves up all of his money to get a ticket to on a boat to go to the Americas, and he scrounges up all that he has and buys one ticket, saying to himself, I'll get to America, I'll make some money, and then I'll buy enough tickets to bring my family with me. And so he's trying, he, he gets on the boat, and he says to himself, I'm going to try to save as much money as I can. So he brings with them a, a wheel of cheese and some crackers. And he says, I'm not going to spend money on food on this journey. I'm not going to I'm not going to go to the concession stand. I'm just going to eat these cheese and crackers, save money on my journey, on my trip to the America. So he has his cheese and crackers, and he's eating that for every meal. And, and as he's eating it, he, he's walking around the boat, and he sees the, the dinner room. He sees the cafeteria, and he sees all these people eating and sitting together and enjoying and, and full ball, full full bellies and he says to himself he said oh I got my cheese and crackers I I can't afford to uh to, to buy that food I can't afford to spend that money and so this goes on day after day week after week it's a three-week journey and he's just eating cheese and crackers and every day he he walks by the cafeteria saying to himself I I'm saving my money I'm I'm living off these cheese and crackers I'm, I'm not I, I'm I'm trying to save as much as I can until finally he makes it with a belly full of moldy cheese and crackers and he makes it to America. He sees the Statue of Liberty and he says, I, I did it. I made it. And one of the sailors on the boat walks up to him and says, congratulations, you made it. Welcome to America. I hope you have a great time and experience. And, but then the sailor says, but I hope we didn't offend you. And he says, what, what do you mean? What, what do you mean offend me? No, you, you didn't offend me. He says, well, you... You never ate with us. You never went to the cafeteria. You never sat down with us and, and, and ate. And he said, well, I was trying to save money. I didn't want I, I to spend too much money on that. And the sailor looked at him and said, look, no, you're confused. The food was included with your ticket. And although he got to America, he, made, he got to the end of his journey. But he lived on cheese and crackers. It could have been such a more enjoyable trip because the price of food was in included with his ticket. 
I think there's so many Christians who are living on cheese and crackers. Saying, if I just make it to heaven. And they see the life with the Holy Spirit and says, well, maybe I don't know if I can or this. But no, guess what? It's included with the, the ticket of salvation. And that when you call upon Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he's for you. That having a relationship with him is for you. That you pray in the Spirit and be baptized in the Spirit is for you. You don't have to go on this journey trying to crawl your way to heaven, surviving on cheese and crackers. No, we were called to live this life empowered by the Spirit. Not trying to crawl our way or feel defeated. Our way. No, we're supposed to live life not from defeat to defeat, but victory to victory. And if you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor CJ, I feel like I'm living on cheese and crackers. I'm just making it by. I'm barely getting through. We're going to welcome up our pastors and prayer partners to the front. If that's you and, and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you've never had that experience and you've never been able to, to speak and pray in tongues, and if you want to have that opportunity and your mind and understanding is becoming revelatory because of what has been said tonight, if that is you, as we sing together, as we come together, please do not leave the house tonight living on cheese and crackers, but get filled up with the Holy Spirit. So the altars are open. We're going to worship together, but if that's you, come to the front. the baptism of the Holy Spirit is pray and worship at this moment. Pray for those who are coming up to the front. Pray for those who feel the impression on their hearts for prayer. Come on, this doesn't take long, but let's as a church family together begin to pray for those who hunger for more, for those who want to go deeper in their relationship with God. Come on, let's pray together. on your mind you need prayer for we're gonna let's press in thank you jesus
really strongly to pray right now. You feel like there has been barriers over your prayer life. That every time you go into prayer, your mind goes astray or you get impatient or you get tired or you get, every time you want to pray, it seems like all these worries come to mind. But we're going to pray that off right now because that's just a, that's the game of the enemy to try to keep you out of your prayer time. But we're going to pray and speak against that. Father, right now, God, we come against every spirit of distraction. God, we come against any anxiety, any fear, Father. That, God, we come against any weapon, God, that might be trying to steer them away from going into prayer with you, to steer them away, to go deeper with you. God, we remove that right now. And, God, we thank you for the mind of Christ that whenever we go into the times of prayer, that we begin to get emboldened in our faith, emboldened in our spirit to where we don't get tired, we don't get confused, we don't get worried, we don't get overwhelmed, but we want to go deeper. We want to go pray even more into the spirit and begin to watch our prayer life go to the next level. So, Father, we pray against any kind of plan, weapon of the enemy against anybody's prayer life. It shall not prosper. We break every barrier. We break every stronghold. We break every any weapon of the enemy. We break it right now in the name of Jesus. And we say, God, let their prayer life go to the next level. Let their prayer life, God, begin to break barriers. Let their prayer life begin to take ground back from what the enemy's trying to do. But God, embolden the faith. Embolden the faith of every believer in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, pray into that. Come on, worship into that. Just a few more minutes. Come on, let's sing together. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.